Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on uh, to Luke's. Yeah, you heard me. Some of y'all still got some paper. Uh, Luke 7, Luke 7. We're going to be looking at Luke, Luke 7. Um, Luke 7, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 15. It says, now it happened the day after that he went to a city called Nain. Nain means beautiful. And many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When they, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. You know, in the Christian life, you can really sum it up as there's, there's two, um, there, there's kind of two different types of things that you're going to go through in the Christian life. Uh, if you were to just to break it down and simplify it, you're going to have moments where it's exciting. You're going to have moments where there's momentum, where you experience greatness and you, you ask the Lord into your heart. You know what I'm talking about, that salvation moment that's just incredible. But you're going to also have this moment called struggle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One of the greatest lies of the enemy and one of the greatest lies of a lot of churches today is that they tell you that it's all blessing and there's no struggle. There's struggle in the Christian life. But I love, I absolutely love the exciting parts of, of faith. I love the moment that I received Jesus into my life and my heart. Do you guys remember that? That moment when you accepted him? Like you, you fell asleep with your Bible open because you couldn't get enough word. You were, you were at the church an hour early because you couldn't, you were just so excited and couldn't wait to be in the service. Like there was that moment of excitement. Like you remember like when you were believing for healing and God came through for you and he healed your body. Anybody's body been healed in this place? Anybody, anybody experienced that? See, those are incredible moments or maybe a service that lasted like three or four hours and it felt like it lasted like two minutes. You know, you've been in those moments of excitement. I remember growing up in this church, my, my family was kind of like chaotic and a little bit broken, but I had an aunt that would bring me to church here at Calvary, over there at the Beltline campus, every Sunday. And every Sunday, I did not want to be here. You thought it was going a different direction. I didn't want to be here because I was bored. But it was better than being home. You understand? So as soon as I walked in, the first thing I grabbed is I grabbed the bulletin. Because as soon as pastors started speaking, I was going to start going through that bulletin. And I was going to read through it every little bit because, I don't know, I just didn't want to listen or I didn't want to hear what the Word was saying what he was, what he was speaking. And I had this crazy youth pastor that every week would come up to me. His name was Pat. Some of you guys know him, Pat Shasline. And he would come up to me and say, Josh, you got to come be a part of the youth service. It's going to be Wednesday nights. It's going to be six o'clock. It's going to be five. It's, you know, just all this kind of stuff, like just annoying. And I, I made a vow. I made a vow. I would never annoy my students. Uh, <laughs> like, like, but he came up to me. He's like, he's super annoying. And I would always tell him that word, maybe. Maybe I'll be there, which we all know means, no, I'm not going to show up. I don't want nothing to do with your service. I don't even want to be here right now. And so he comes up to me this one time and he says, Josh, 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 he's like, you got to come. We got a a beach trip that's coming up. I'm like, beach trip? All right. All right. And he said, guess what? 
It's paid for. Your way is paid for. And I was like, oh, man. Well, you know, worst case scenario, if I go on this beach trip, I'll come back with a couple of girlfriends maybe or something. Like, I have no idea. Maybe a girlfriend or something like that. Y'all acting like y'all super safe. Like, y'all went to the beach just, come on. Y'all went to the beach just to look at the water. Stop. Right now. And so we, so we, I, I get in this van. And we were late starting off because everything we did was late. You know, everything. And so we got to the, we got to the, uh, you know, Pensacola a little bit later than what we were supposed to. So we get to the hotel. And uh, we go to sleep. And the next morning, Pat comes in. He's like knocking on our doors at like 6 a.m. I'm like, little early to be starting a beach trip or to go to the beach, but it's whatever. I'm down. I'm like, I'm here for it. And so we get up and we get dressed and we go and we're driving around and about 6.30, we wind up in a church parking lot. And it's packed with people already. I mean, there's a line of people for days waiting to get into a church service that begins at 7 p.m. I'm having to wait in line. I need you guys to understand and sympathize with me just a little bit. I'm having to wait in line all day for a church service that starts at 7 p.m. All right, I got some issues with that. Because you know who I'm waiting in line with? I'm waiting with a whole bunch of crazy Christians. I'm talking about, like, the people that are, like, fired up, fired up, like, passionate. They're praying. Like, every other word is amen and hallelujah. I don't even understand what they're talking about half the time. Like, God, you know, bless God, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, what? And we're sitting in line and waiting. And finally, it comes to the place where we get into the service. The doors are open up, and we're allowed to go into the service. And, man, people are just just rushing to find a seat. So we're, like, running and trying to get to a seat, trying to get to a place. And I get to this place, and, and they start worship. And as worship's going, my hands are just kind of, like, shaking a little bit, you know? I'm like, uh, I'm going to pull them in my pocket. You know, something's going on, but I'm just going to. I'm going to chill. The guy starts speaking. Steve Hill starts speaking. And, man, I am so convicted that I need to make some things right with the Lord that in the middle of his message, he didn't even give an altar call. In the middle of his message, I ran down to the front, didn't care who saw me. I didn't care about anything else. I ran down to the front. And at that moment, I gave my life to the Lord, and I've never been the same again. You know what I'm saying? Now, one thing you need to realize is that that trip changed my life forever. And I came back in, and I got plugged into a church family and a church home that changed my life forever. But I never got to go to the beach. (laughs) We were in service all day. But one thing I've learned in my life is never forget what God has done for you. If it hadn't been for Jesus, some of us in this room would still be addicted. If it hadn't been for Jesus, some of us would still be bitter. If it hadn't been for Jesus, some of us would still be angry and depressed. I'm telling you right now, you can't forget what God has done for you. He pulled you from the trash. He saw you when no one else saw you. He saw you when no pastor saw you. He saw you when your friends and your family walked right past you. And he reached down into the trash. He reached down into the rubble. And he found value. He found destiny. And he found purpose in that moment. I'm thankful for the hand of God. I'm thankful that my God is a dumpster diver. (laughs) I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful for that. And I want to be around people that never forget what God has done for them. But faith has this side that's a struggle, that's difficult, where storms come, where life happens. There's disappointment. Family lets you down. 
Family lets you down. Offense. Unforgiveness. You need to realize this morning that he didn't just save you from hell. He actually saved you for a purpose. The greatest men and women of God are the most resilient in their life. They realize that as they follow Jesus, as they walk with Jesus, as long as they're walking with him, as long as they're listening to him, that they may go into the fire. They may walk into the fire, but they're not going to get burned. They're resilient. That's the type of people that do great things for God. You need to realize that struggle is going to happen. Struggle comes. Broke or rich, struggle happens. Black, white, Hispanic, guess what? Struggles come. Whether you had a daddy or didn't have a daddy, struggles come. Whether your family is perfect or your family's like mine, they put the funk in dysfunction. Struggles come. Whether you're, what, no matter where you're at in life, whether you're young or whether you're old, struggles come. There is one guarantee about this life that struggles will come. We gotta stop having pity parties for our struggle. We gotta stop having pity parties. Listen, it's gonna happen. If you're gonna do anything for the kingdom of God, I want you to hear me this morning. If you're gonna do anything for the kingdom of God, you have to walk into your greatness realizing struggles will come. Do you realize that struggle is a compliment to your journey? Struggle actually means that you're heading in the right direction. There's going to be a fight in this life. There's going to be a fight. And if you get to this place where you run out of a fight, guess what? You probably have ran out of destiny. So you need to realize that there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be in the kingdom of God. Struggle isn't struggle. It can actually be a great teacher if you allow it to be that. And so what you need to realize is that there are some things that you, that you listen. There are some things you learn because of some of the things that you had to go through. Are you hearing me? You can always trust that if there's a struggle, that Jesus is right there in the middle of your situation. Should you hear me? In fact, the Bible says that he is praying for you. The greatest ministry of Jesus in these last days is the intercession for the saints. He is doing that right now. There are people in this room that should be praising God because of the prayer life of Jesus that's been over your life. I want you to hear, you should praise him because he sits by the throne making intercession for you. The prayer life of Jesus is what didn't allow that accident to happen. The prayer life of Jesus is what brought that prodigal son or daughter back home. The prayer life of Jesus is what allows the anointing to flow on your life. That means if you don't have family praying for you, you don't have a grandmother praying for you, and nobody else is praying for you, you need to realize that there's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that's by the throne 24 hours a day interceding just for you. I'm thankful for the prayer life of Jesus. It doesn't matter if they pray for you or not as long as he is praying for you. He says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. So if he's praying for you, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? If he's praying for you, what are you worried about? If you're, if he's praying for you, what are you so timid about? Some of y'all need to get back up. You've been down on the floor too long. The enemy thought he had you. He counted you out. You've been down. You've been knocked out because of life, because of something that's happened. And I'm here to tell you today that it is time to get back up. You've been defeated too long. You've been discouraged too long. It's time to get back up. David said it best. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't, he, he didn't say, even though I stop in the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I walk. Some of us need to get back up and start walking again. Start walking again. Cause we have to learn to trust God even when we can't trace God in our lives. 
You're going to trust him because he's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. And in this passage of scripture, we see this woman that knows what it's like to experience excitement. She's been married. She's had a son. Incredible moments. Incredible season of her life. But at this moment, we know that her husband has now died. We know that she's experienced great loss. We know that she's experienced struggle. We also know now that her son is dead. Not only has she lost her husband, now she's lost her son. And they are in the process of taking her son to be buried. And on the way, they run into Jesus. The Bible says Jesus had compassion for this woman. I love that. He had compassion for this woman. And then he says, do not weep. Or one version says, stop crying. Now, guys, let's take a a play from the playbook of Jesus. The next time we walk into our house and you see your wife crying, you see your wife crying, and then in your head you go through the steps. What did I do? Hang on. See, y'all guys like. Michael, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you go through the steps, like, check, check, check. I don't think I did this. I don't think I did this. Okay, I think I'm good. And then you go up to her and you say, you okay? And then she says, I'm fine. Let me tell you. Let me help you guys. That's not good. Listen, there is a language that all females are born with. Listen. My daughters speak it. My wife speaks it well. I don't understand it. Every now and then, God will give me the interpretation. But most of the time, I don't get that interpretation. I don't know what's going on. And so here's here's what I want you guys to do next time. All right? Go in there when you see her crying. Show a little bit of compassion. Give that little face. Like I don't know what face that was. But show her some compassion and then just say, stop crying. Y'all better be ducking if you do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I go in there and say, sweetie, what's, what's up? I'm fine. Stop crying. I better, you know, it's going to be, I might have to duck. No, listen, look, gee, it's not going to end well. But Jesus gets away with everything. Think about it. The guy spits in the dirt. Creates mud, puts it on guy's eye, and everybody celebrates him. Everybody celebrates him. He's in the middle of this home preaching, and they tear a hole in the roof of the home, lower somebody down. He gets healed, and everybody's fired up about it. He didn't go to my grandma's house. You know what I'm saying? Like my grandma would kill him. But you know what? I'm saying? Like that's that's where we're at. He gets away with everything. And in this passage of scripture, he interrupts a funeral. He stops a funeral. You, that's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. And what I've learned about Jesus is if he can interrupt a funeral, then he can interrupt your life at any time because he is the God of interruptions. The enemy said you have cancer, but he interrupted with healing. Did you hear me? The enemy said you were broke, but God interrupted with provision. I'm thankful that he interrupts some things. There are moments in my life where I wake up and I thank him for the interruptions that he's caused in my life because without him, I would still be in some relationships that were not good for me. I should be an addict. I should be broke. I should be defeated. I should be dead. 
but I serve a God that interrupted some things for my life. Are you thankful that you serve a God who interrupts for you? See, I love it when he interrupts the enemy's plan. And so he interrupts his funeral. And the first thing I want you to see from this passage is he touches the coffin. He touches the coffin. In verse 14, it says, he touched the coffin. Then that word touch translated from the original language is really the word cling to. This was a violent act. Did you hear me? This was a violent act. He didn't just like touch the coffin. He grabbed the coffin. He clinged to the coffin. He grabbed a hold of this coffin so much so that the pallbearers were forced to come to a complete stop in the funeral. It wasn't just like he just sat back and he just touched it and everybody stopped. No, Jesus went up there, boom, grabbed a hold of this coffin and brought the whole funeral to a complete standstill in that moment. And and some of us in this room, we need more than just a touch of joy. We need more than just a touch of love. There's some of us in this room that have been going through some struggles. You've been going through some trials. You've been going through some death. You've been going through some situations. You need more than just another cute service. Are you hearing me, Calvary? We need more than just spiritual karaoke, just singing kumbaya. No, we need a touch from heaven. We need Jesus to grab a hold of our situation. We need Jesus to come in like a flood. There's some of us in this room, you've been crying out for a touch. And I've got good news for you. Jesus is done playing tag with his church. Embracing Jesus is a full contact sport. You need someone to get in death's way for you. To push back death's attempt to take hold of your life. That's what Jesus does to your deathbed. He, he always extends more than a touch. It's the grab of God. You see, this, this dead man needed more than a touch. He needed divine intervention. He needed divine intervention. Why? Why, why, why? Because if you notice in the passage, not only did Jesus touch the coffin, this man was being carried from his rightful place. He was being carried from his rightful place. See, Jesus stopped his coffin because he saw that he was being carried from his rightful place. Where was he being carried from? You have to read it. The city of Nain. What does Nain mean? Nain means beautiful. He was being taken from his rightful place, and Jesus was taking him back to what was beautiful. Are there people taking you from your rightful place? I knew that was going to be quiet, and that's okay. Are there people in your life that are taking you from your rightful place? Verse 12 says he saw a large crowd from the city following the dead man. This crowd had to be made up of mostly professional mourners. Professional mourners are people paid to mourn, grieve, and help escort someone's coffin to the gravesite. The more you had, the more important you supposedly were. Mourners sit around waiting for death. They sit around waiting to profit off your death, waiting to profit off this generation. The mourners are people who only appear at moments of weakness. They seem to sympathize with your pain, but they really bring their own agenda. They're professionals. They have owned in their acting skills to a fine art. They can make you believe that they really care, but guess what? They don't. Are there people in your life? I want you to hear me this morning. Are there people in your life who should be leading you to something beautiful, but they're escorting you to something like your deathbed? They're escorting you to a place called death. Are you hearing me this morning? 
Are there people in your life that are leading you away from what God has called you to do? They're leading you from your purpose, from your plan. You may call them babe, but God calls them a distraction. You may say, you may say this in your life. You may say, well, they're, hey, I think they're helping me, but God says, no, that's actually destroying you. You may say they're my friends, but God says, bad company corrupts good character. I want to know, where are they taking you? Where are they leading you? Is there something in your life escorting you to an early grave? Did you hear me? Are there things taking you from your rightful place? I know that's heavy. But are there things taking you? There's some of us in this room, we say this, we'll say things like, well, this was just one time. This was one sip. This is one moment. One night. And then all of a sudden, your house is decorated with it. You can't live without it. Because of one moment. one. And then people will be like, Pastor Josh, that's legalism. It's not legalism if it draws you closer to Jesus. It's not legalism if it draws you closer to his presence. It's not legalism if it says that that I want Jesus more than anything else on this planet. That's not legalism. And so the enemy is trying to take our lives literally. He's actually not just trying to take it. He's actually wanting you to waste your life. What's taking you away from something beautiful? What's taking you away from something that God has called you to do? Maybe it's addiction to prescription medication. We don't like to talk about that too much. But maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's pornography. Your self-hatred. You're obsessed with a certain weight because what's really beautiful is skewed. Your struggle with your sexuality. Your spiritual pride. Maybe there's some anger issues. Some regrets. When someone took advantage of you, you've never forgiven them. And you never really healed. Your bitterness. Unforgiveness. Your obsessions, obsessed with relationships, obsessed with being a certain weight, obsessed with appearances. Are you hearing me? Obsessed with hating yourself. You're so used to living this way, you even thought that this is as good as it gets. But here's the turnaround. I said all of that to say this one thing, to say this next little point that I have that you need to realize, and we're going to land on this today. It was an open coffin. It was an open coffin. The phrase open coffin should catch our attention. It should catch our attention. It's strange because traditionally when a coffin is being carried, it's on its way to be buried. And you would expect the coffin to be closed by this time. You need to know today that your coffin door is not shut. You might be in a coffin of compromise. You might be in a coffin of complacency. You might be in a coffin of bondage. You might be in a coffin of pain. You might be in a coffin of confusion. You need to realize that Jesus allowed the coffin door to be shut on him. He allowed it to be shut on him. The enemy no longer has keys to death, hell, and the grave because he made the mistake of trying to shut Jesus' coffin door. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus broke through the coffin door so that you and I could experience his freedom, so that you and I could experience his peace, so that you and I could experience his joy and his love, and so that you and I could experience him at the highest level. Did you guys hear me this morning? The enemy can no longer shut anyone's coffin door. You see, the enemy may be able to talk you into a coffin. He may be able to talk you into a coffin, but but he, he, he may get you to believe that the coffin was even meant for you. But he can't bury you. He can't bury you. Did you hear me? 
He may get you to believe that this was meant for you. He may get you to believe that this is what you, what what life is all about. But he can't bury you. That is when the enemy figures out, I picked the wrong one. I sent struggles to that person. I sent I sent depression to that person. I sent death to that person. I sent storms to that person. I sent all these situations and circumstances, and that person still raises their hands. That person still praises God. That person still believes in the Lord. I want you to understand that's when that's the moment where he figures out I chose, I picked the wrong one. I picked the wrong one. You see. The enemy thought he had the right one with the church right now. He thought he had the right one with this generation. But I'm here to tell him today that he picked the wrong one. Do you understand that? He thought he had the right one. Porn thought it had the right one. Self-hatred thought it had the right one. Depression thought it had the right one. Guilt and shame thought it had the right one. But guess what? We serve a God who still breaks addictions. We serve a God who still heals. We serve a God who still sets free. I'm thankful that God chose me. You see, every time you surrender to Jesus, you remind the enemy that he picked the wrong one. Every time you give your life to the Lord, every time you lift up those hands, even though you don't want to, you remind Jesus, you remind the enemy that he picked the wrong one. And so, at this point, this is my last point, and we're going to land on this for just a moment. Marcel, if you'll come on up. I want you to... I got something that we're going to do in the altar that's a little bit different, so I want you to hang with me for just a little bit. Is that cool? Thank you. My last point, my last thought. Not only was it an open coffin, and we know that Jesus grabbed a hold of the coffin. We know that Jesus stopped the funeral. The next point was, is why was it an open coffin anyway? Why was it an open coffin? Why was this coffin open? Someone had to take the lid off. Someone had to open the coffin. Someone had to take it off. See, Jesus looks at this woman. He looks at this woman. And he grabs the coffin. And he stops the pallbearers in their tracks. Right? And now he says, now that I've got all that squared away, I got all that squared away. This is what I want to do. Little boy, you were never supposed to be dead this early anyways. You were never supposed to be dead anyways. So I got one word for you. Rise. I got in some of your spirits today. He had one word. He said, rise. He said, rise. He said, rise. He said, get up. He said, get up. Rise. Rise, rise. You see, he's calling to a situation this morning that you thought was dead. He's calling to some stuff that you thought would never be fixed. He's calling to some marriages in this room that you thought it was over. You thought it was dead. You thought, you thought it was too far. You thought you had, you had messed up so much that there's no way the grace of God and the love of God could, could intervene on your behalf. And this morning, I want you to realize that he's got one word for you. Rise. He's got one word for your situation this morning. What you see, what seems like is dead, he says, rise. 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 
He's got one word. You see, you don't have to stay down another day. You don't have to stay down another moment. You don't have to stay down another hour. You don't have to stay down another minute. You don't have to stay down another second because he's got that one word for you. He says, rise. He says, rise. You see, every time, I want you to watch this. Every time there was a resurrection moment, a resurrection moment in the life of Jesus, Jesus was never the one to take the lid off. Did you hear me? He was never the one to take the lid off. The first time he, that you see is he looks at mom and dad. You guys are going to know the story in just a moment. He says, mom and dad, open the door. Open the door. I Take the lid off. He walks through the door. Says, Talithe Kuom, little girl, get up. Little girl, rise. The next time, the next time that he, we see this, he's standing at the, the tomb of Lazarus. And what does he do? Hey, he says this. He, before he says, rise or come forth or anything like that, he says, y'all get that stone out of the way. I want you to take the lid off. Just take the lid off. I'm not going to do it for you. I actually want your participation in this moment. So they take the lid off and he says, Lazarus, come forth. When he was dead, even in his darkest hour, he didn't remove the lid. God sent angels to the tomb of Jesus to take the lid off. And when that lid came off, you know what happened? He stepped out in victory with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. There has to be a people who know how to take the lid off. There has to be a people that need to know how to open up the coffin. There has to be a people that are willing to participate in this hour for their breakthrough and for their healing. To walk hand in hand with the Savior, knowing that He's praying for you, knowing that He's got you. Whether you're in a storm, whether you're in sadness, whether you're in guilt or shame, He has you right where He wants you. And he says, rise. Well, Pastor Josh, what in the world is taking the lid off? What does that mean? What Taking the lid off is, is having the kind of faith to stand in defeat, in worry, and in failure, and say, God, I still believe. I still believe. This situation is not dead. It's the type of faith that, that sees a wall and says, you know what? I'm going to march around it. This seems crazy. And then I'm going to shout at it. All this seems crazy, but God, I trust you. I know you're good for your promises. I know your promises are yes and amen. So I'm going to believe you in this moment and I'm going to shout and I'm going to see the walls come down. That, that's what taking the lid off is. It's, it's that type of person that even though they've blown it, even though they messed up, they realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I tried to do this on my own, but right now I'm going to, I'm going to stand in my promise. I'm going to stand in my victory. I'm going to walk. I'm going to keep moving. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but, but I know his hand is greater than any situation I could go through. So my lid is coming off. I'm taking the lid off. I'm taking the lid off. What does taking the lid off look like? It's the type of people that stand to their feet. They throw up their hands and they begin to praise in spite of their situation, in spite of being at death's door, in spite of seeing death right there in front of their face. It's the type of people that will praise in spite of, in spite of their situation, in spite of their circumstance. 
God, take the lid off of this place. Take the lid off. Take the lid off. Take the lid off. So here's what's going to happen today. You now are standing at the gate. Everything happens at the gate. Everything. The same gate that that lady was standing at, you're standing at right now. Just go ahead and stand to your feet. The same gate that she's standing at, you're standing at right now. You're standing at. And I'm telling you what Jesus says this morning. What Jesus is saying today is if you'll, you hear me, stay with me. Jesus is saying if you let him touch your coffin, you take the lid off. I'm going to take the lid off in expectancy. I'm going to take the lid off believing that I know that he's going to work everything out for my good. Do you hear me? I'm going to take that lid off. So Jesus says, if you let him touch your coffin and you take the lid off, he's about to raise that dead thing back to life again. Did you hear me? He's about to raise that dead thing back to life again because real revival, real revival happens when something dead Real revival is when something that's dead is brought back to life. It's not just a good sermon. It's not just a good church service. Did you hear me? We could just call it a good sermon. We could say it was a great worship set. We could say it was a great moment in that the atmosphere and it gave me chill bumps. That's not real revival. Did you hear me? You can't call it real revival until something dead pops up. It says, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. Listen, listen, listen. A church, a church can say they're in revival all day long. But until revival, until something comes alive to the point that you can't keep it in anymore, the building can't contain it. Did you hear me? The building can't contain it. This, this, this atmosphere, it, I, I want to take it wherever I go. I want to take it to every place I go. Listen, church. The crushing. The struggle. In order for you to get olive oil, there has to be a crushing that takes place. And that oil begins to flow. That's where your greatest ministry happens. Out of the flow. Out of the flow. What you've been through, what your situation's been, that's your greatest opportunity for ministry again. That's when something dead comes back to life. Listen, I don't want us to get so used to having such a great pastor with such a great teaching gift and a ministry gift that we forget to tell our friends and our neighbors about Jesus. And we come in keeping it all to ourselves. That's not real revival. That's not real revival. Real revival is when that dead thing comes back to life. That dead thing comes back to life. You know, at this point, you know, I imagine that there was a point with Jesus and this lady where there's a there's a conversation that was happening saying, 
you can either focus on him being dead or me being here. And that's where the church is right now. Because of all this, all the things that we've had to go through, all the things that we've had to endure, we can either focus on the things being dead or focus on him being here. And when he's here, when he's here, I mean, when he's really here, when he's really here, the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. It breaks the chains. It breaks the bondage. The addictions go, they're, they're, they're gone. Like they're broken. Like it doesn't mean I will struggle. It doesn't mean I wrestle, but they're broken. So this morning, I prayed, I wrestled with this message all week. I'm going to be honest with you. About as much as I've wrestled with anything, speaking at this church, I've, I felt like I've had, there's been a little fights trying to stop what I feel like God's wanting to do. Because I told my wife, I said, I feel like that our church right now, like we're so we're so good at, we're really good at what we do in here. Don't hit me. But we've got to start taking this thing outside. There are people in our cities. We're a regional church. There are people in our cities that need to experience the life of Jesus. They need to experience something dead coming back to life. You see, your struggle is never really about you. It's really never about us. It's never really about us at all. We have the opportunity to do something great in this period of time and in this history, in this moment. I believe that we can see something shake in North Alabama. We can see something shake. And if we get enough dead things coming back to life, guess what? Some things are going to be shaken. Some things are going to come back. Some things are going to begin to happen. I hate I got some people I come in contact with, sports I help coach and things like that. There needs to be some life that happens. There's some people that you, that you, you know what? You don't realize what they're going through, but they need something to come back to life. They've been going through it and you may be the only Jesus that they see in this moment. So listen, I know that we got struggles. I know that we got pain. But we know how to walk through that. We know how to handle that. We throw up those hands and we praise in spite of what we see or in spite of what we feel. We still worship and we still praise. So today there's a few people. There's two things I want to do. There's some people in this room. There's some things that have been taking you from your rightful place. You've been settling for less than the best. You had a moment in your life where you walked with passion for Jesus. You walked with fire. You walked with a, a fresh anointing. You felt like, man, I could take on Satan and his demons with a squirt gun right there. You know, I can do whatever. I can go after it. I'm on fire. I'm passionate. But there's some of us in this room, you've walked away from that rightful place. And you've allowed a religion, 
a religious mindset telling you that, well, that's, that's crazy. That's legalism. That's this. No, no, no. There's nothing wrong with holiness. There's nothing wrong with holiness. I didn't say perfection. I didn't say perfection. But if something has your attention more than Jesus, then guess what? There's something wrong. So today there's some people that have been led. You're being carried from your rightful place. You're being carried from the place of beautiful to something that you know that you know, you know that you don't need this at all. If that's you in this room this morning, I want you right there where you're at to begin to step out of your seats right there where you're at and just come on up to the front. If you, if that's you, I know it's like a different type of altar call, but that's fine. If that's you, I'm going to pray with you. The second thing is this. You're going through some struggles. You're going through some situations. You're going through some hardships. And you say, Pastor Josh, I need some breakthrough in my life. I need something to happen in my life. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to get out of your seats right there where you're at. Would you come down here to the front if that's you? You say, I got some stuff I need broken. I got some stuff. There's some things carrying me from a rightful place. I got some struggles. I got some things that are happening. I got some things that are happening. I got some things that are happening in my life. I need breakthrough. I need breakthrough. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm going through it. I'm going through it. Come on. I'll wait for you just a little bit longer. Come on, come on. People still coming. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on. We're not going to settle. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'll wait. Come on, people are still coming. Come on. Jesus. Come on up. Come on up. If you're supposed to be up here, come on. I'll wait. Come on. Come on. I see you. Come on. Anybody else? Hey, his presence is all in this place right now. His presence is right here. He's ready. There's some of you in this room today. This is going to be so brand new for you. This is your moment. This is your, your beach trip moment. I was talking about, this is your moment. Did you hear me? This is your moment. That thing that was sent to, that's, that thing that was sent to kill you, that thing that was sent to destroy you, guess what? Guess what? Jesus is interrupting some funerals today, and he's grabbing some coffins. He's grabbing some coffins today. He's grabbing some coffins today. Now what's new if Calvary family, church, prayer team, elders, trustees, come on, get behind these guys if you can. We're gonna get, we'll, we'll begin to pray for them here in just a moment, but I want you guys to come in. Come on, surround them, surround them, surround them. Come on, get around them, get around them, get around them.
Jesus. 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 If we can get anybody else to, to come on and pray, if you went through any type of training with Pastor Tony and the pastor or anything like that, we're going to need some help praying. You know, today, when Moses, I want you guys to, I, I don't know why I'm saying this this morning, but when Moses came down from the mountain after his second encounter with, with God, the first encounter was with a burning bush. And he walked away with a staff. He walked away with the ability to be able to, to you know, perform miracles and to, to speak. But the second time he goes up to that mountain after the children of Israel had been delivered, you know what happened? He's, he's given the Ten Commandments at that moment. So he grabs the Ten Commandments. He takes them down halfway down the mountain. And he hears a party going on. He hears a celebration going on. A people, the children of Israel, have turned their backs on God right there in that moment. And they've, they've created this whole party atmosphere. And they're worshiping another God. They're, they've created a golden image, a golden idol. And Moses loses his cool. Moses loses his cool. And the Bible says that he took the very thing that God gave him. And he throws it on the ground. Breaks it. Destroys it right there. And in that moment, you know, God did not, God did not say anything to the children of Israel. In that moment, he didn't say anything to them. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't get on to them. He didn't say, in that moment, the only person that he was concerned about was Moses. And, and, and so in that, he starts walking Moses through this restoration process. He puts his arm around Moses. What am I telling you today? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you made. It doesn't matter if you've broken everything. If you broke, if you've lost faith, if you've lost hope, it, none of that matters. What God did in the next two chapters, he takes Moses back up the mountain and Moses has some, has some rocks. And you know what, what God did? He wrote out what was written before. He restored everything, restored everything. What he's doing for you today. What he's doing for you in this room today is he's about to rewrite some things. You thought it was over. You thought it was done. You thought you're, there's some people in this room. There's some people in this room. You have giftings. You have callings. You have anointing. You have blessing. And you thought it was over because you made a mistake. Because you, you, you thought it was over because he was dead. And God is here today and he's going to resurrect some things in your life. I'm telling you, he's going to resurrect some things. He's going to call it alive. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.